sexually transmitted infections and HIV. The most common STI sexually transmitted infection is chlamydia and it makes up 60% of all cases, followed by gonorrhea, genital warts, herpes, syphilis and HIV. So we're going to be talking about all of these in order. Gonorrhea in particular is quite interesting because it's developed antibiotic resistance. And so over the past few years, the number of cases have been rising. But generally, STI rates overall globally have been decreasing. It's also interesting to note that in between the years of 2019 to 2020 in England, there was a huge decrease in STIs. So 32% drop in new diagnoses. And most likely the reason for that is the COVID pandemic where people were social distancing and there were less sexual interactions. So clinical challenges in dealing with STIs. STIs are very, very common um, in any population. So undoubtedly in your career, you're going to encounter a patient that has an STI. A lot of the STIs patients present with will be incurable or they will have long-term consequences. Uh, And some of them could be very, very difficult to treat, especially gonorrhea, which has antibiotic resistance. Another issue is that you're not just dealing with a patient here when it comes to an STI. It's always a patient and their potential partners. And so there's an issue of confidentiality which must be addressed um, because STIs, as you're aware, presents a risk to a third party, which is the patient's partner. And so that person must be informed. Um, And it must be either from the patient themselves or the medical team could contact the partner. So STIs are one of the situations where it could potentially be okay to break confidentiality. Another challenge with STIs is that a lot of them, a lot of the cases will be asymptomatic. And so it could be hard to detect or know what exactly that, there is an issue at all. Um, And patients will also have high rates of reinfection. So if you treat a patient for an infection, an STI infection, they're very likely to later down their life redevelop this infection and the infection or alternatively the infection could just never go away it could be a lifelong infection which is terrible and finally you're also thinking about vertical transmission so is the patient pregnant because if so then the sti could pass on to their fetus risk factors for sti so if you're between the ages of 19 to your late 20s or your early 30s you're more likely to get stis According to American data, if you're black Afro-Caribbean, you have a higher risk of STIs. If you're a male, you also have a higher risk of STIs. More sexual partners um, means you're exposed to more um, potential uh, risk of STIs as well. And where you live is very important because some areas typically have higher levels of STIs. For example, Southeast Asia has the highest at 128 million cases and the Americas follow that with 126 million. And lastly, whether or not you use a condom. Condoms or protection in general can help protect against STIs, but sometimes it isn't enough, but it definitely does help. So no condom means higher risk. Okay, so now let's talk about chlamydia, or its scientific name, chlamydia trochomatis. So chlamydia is what we call an obligate intracellular pathogen. Obligate means it needs oxygen to survive, and intracellular means it invades host cells. So how it does this is, chlamydia is a bacterium that enters as a spore. 
It then identifies a host cell and invades it. Once inside, it will undergo duplication, replication, and it becomes what we call a, a reticulate. So this reticulate transforms to elementary bodies when it duplicates. Uh, and then at some point, you will get many, many, many um, reticulates in one elementary body within the host cell. And these could actually be observed through a histological test called a pap smear or a cervical smear. And you would see sort of like a glass-shaped bubble within the cells. And those would be the elementary bodies. So once those get the elementary bodies get big enough, they burst the cell, killing the host and spreading to nearby cells where they repeat the process. Now the big issue with chlamydia is half of male patients will be asymptomatic and two-thirds of female patients will also be asymptomatic so it's very likely that a patient will have chlamydia and not and just not know it in males it could cause some symptoms that you we would expect could be inflammation of the urethra so that's urethritis epididymitis or prostatitis so inflation of the epididymis and the prostate now with females we could expect to see inflammation of the cervix cervicitis or pelvic inflammatory disease which is um, inflammation of the of the pelvic organs as a whole and what we call Fitzhugh Curtis disease and this is where le- the chlamydia causes lesions within the fallopian tube and these lesions result in the fallopian tube adhering to the liver once that happens there will be a narrowing within the fallopian tube that could lead to ectopic pregnancies and the reason for that is once and the egg fertilizes the fallopian tube will be so narrow that it can't pass through and so it would have to develop within the fallopian tube and obviously there's not enough space so this is an ectopic pregnancy and it can cause infertility actually um because unless there is some sort of intervention the this will not develop into a fetus there's no way within the fallopian tube we can get a fetus so if males and females and we just talked about them and lastly neonates so a, a patient with that is pregnant the fetus could get conjunctivitis and pneumonia if the mother has stis one more thing that chlamydia can do is what's called reactive arthritis so this is what also called sterile inflammation um, and what happens is the body detects there is an inflammation within, for example, your genitals, and it can result there's an infection, sorry, within the genital area, and it can result in inflammation elsewhere, especially within the knee. So you could get reactive arthritis of the knee due to an infection within your genitalia. This is called reactive arthritis. It could also lead to systemic inflammation, and relatively, it's quite mild form of arthritis. So treatments for chlamydia include azithromycin and doxycycline. Now let's talk about gonorrhea, or is it scientifically called Neisseria gonorrhea? So much like chlamydia, there's a lot of similarities, but also some differences that I'll point out now. So in males, gonorrhea can cause inflammation of the urethra, the prostate, and the epididymis, much like chlamydia, but additionally, it can cause proctitis, so inflammation of the anus or the rectum, and it can cause a sore throat. In females, it can cause inflammation of the cervix and PID, but also it can cause perihepatitis and septic abortion. 
Now, in neonates, it will cause con- it can cause conjunctivitis, but not pneumonia, which chlamydia does. A key difference between gonorrhea and chlamydia is, despite both of them being bacteriums, they're targeted by the host immune cell at different stages. When chlamydia enters, it's just a spore and it's undetectable. It only triggers an immune response once it's within the host cells and it's duplicated and there are, there is antigen presentation of the host cell that the body knows, oh, this is infected, let's target it. The difference is with gonorrhea, however, what as soon as gonorrhea steps into the body, it's identified as a pathogen and targeted by the immune system. This results in a lot of dead neutrophils um, in, in the aftermath, let's say. Um, and as a result, you get penile discharge in both cases, gonorrhea and chlamydia, but the discharge from the penis in gonorrhea is thicker, whiter, and it's smellier. And that's because of the dead neutrophils within. So complications of gonorrhea um, include septic arthritis. This is different than reactive arthritis. And that's because this is direct. So gonorrhea could could actually get with into your joint and cause a, a arthritis that's a lot more severe. Um, this arthritis will be red and hot to touch. It could also cause septicemia if it gets into your blood. It can cause infertility, much like in chlamydia, as well as blindness, especially within neonates. The drug used to treat gonorrhea is called ceftriaxone or ceftriazone um, but be careful using this because it is antibiotic resistance to gonorrhea now let's move on to genital warts genital warts can develop secondary to human papillomavirus people with human papillomavirus much like many stis 90 percent of them will be asymptomatic and the hpv virus strains there's different strains and the strains that cause the carcinoma or, or cerv- that can cause cervical cancer um, are strains number 16, 18, 31 and 33. And so the HPV vaccine that you, that protects against cervical cancer protects against those strains 16, 18, 31 and 33. Now because genital warts are secondary to HPV, there are strains that of HPV that cause directly cause genital warts and those are strains 6 and 8 now 6 and 8 are very similar in structure to 16 and 18 and so hpv vaccine protects against cervical cancer through the 16 18 31 and 33 strains but it also protects against genital warts and that's why over the past few over the past few years we have been experiencing a decrease in the incidence of genital warts thanks to the HPV vaccine. Um, for people that do contract genital warts, the treatment for it could be cryotherapy, which is burning off the infected skin to get rid of the infected cells. Um, and you burn, when I say burn them off, we're actually using very, very cold temperatures to burn them off. Alternatively, we can use topical ointment called podophilotoxin. And now let's move on to herpes simplex virus. So there is two versions, version 1 and version 2. So HSV1 is oral, whereas HSV2 is genital. Um, But they are interchangeable, especially during oral sex. So a a person with HSV1 engaging in oral sex with somebody else could pass on herpes simplex virus as HSV2 um, to the other person engaging in oral sex with them. 
However, you don't have to ha uh, engage in sexual activity to actually get herpes. So HSV affects 90% of the population, but a lot of cases are asymptomatic and people just have it without it doing anything. Um, if it does present um, after primary infection, then in HSV1, you would get sort of little, like a red, um, reddish discoloration and bumps over your lip orally. Um, in HSV2, um, there would be like a burst blisters sort of in the genital area and it would be very red and discolored. So because it's a virus, we can't use antibiotics. We would use antiretrovirals, which are called um, acyclovir, famcyclovir, and valacyclovir. And now let's move on to syphilis. Syphilis is caused by the bacterium Trypanema pallidum. There are many. There are three stages to syphilis. There's a primary stage, secondary, and then tertiary. Um, for people with primary syphilis, they develop a nodule, which is a a painless ulcer, a single painless ulcer that goes away after a while, and this, it usually develops either on your tongue or on your genitalia. So of those people that get primary infection, all of them will move on to the secondary stage of syphilis, where they will develop another nodule or another ulcer. A quarter of those people in the secondary stage will recover or will, will, will get cured from syphilis, and they can go on to live their normal lives. However, the rest of the people, three quarters, um, will either redevelop secondary infection so another blister uh, or another ulcer or that it will remain latent from for a couple years before developing into tertiary syphilis tertiary syphilis is not great a third of people with tertiary syphilis die um, its prognosis is terrible um, so you don't want to get to that stage um, the treatment we would use for syphilis are antibiotics, penicillin and doxycycline. Um, and the severity of the disease depends a lot on the serology, so whether or not the bacterium is in the blood. So in primary syphilis, the serology could possibly be, there's a chance that it's negative serology. Um, but if the patient develops secondary syphilis, it's always going to be positive serology. Side effects of secondary syphilis include a rash and a fever, um, a lymphadenopathy, which could develop as, as early as primary syphilis. Um, the big issue with syphilis is that it's painless, so that presents as a huge challenge um, because a lot of people just won't know that they have it and will continue to pass it on. And lastly, let's talk about HIV, human immunodeficiency virus. So in terms of the epidemiology of HIV, um, the trend currently is that the incidence is decreasing, but the prevalence is increasing. Two thirds of HIV um, patients that are walking around are still alive, um, are in sub-Saharan Africa. So that's where the majority of um, the patient population exists. And the treatment for HIV uh, treatment, bear in mind, not cure, are antiretrovirals, um, which have been developed uh, 2008, I believe it was, um, to treat HIV. Uh, 
these could be either as oral medications that are taken daily or they could be um, injections like two injections per month antiretrovirals help in symptom management but they also help in prophylaxis um, so they're very very important especially in the sub-saharan african area however when they were first developed they were under the brand name truvada and they were very expensive however generic options were shortly afterwards developed um, and those were a lot more attainable for the sub-saharan african population and this also talks to health inequalities because hiv is a poor man's disease i will say um, and that's because a lot of low-income and mid-income countries have the highest cases of hiv um, and so generic drugs were very 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 important um, in fighting hiv antiretrovirals are not just used for hiv they could be used after a needle stick injury to prevent infections um, there's currently studies to find a vaccination for hiv a cure um, there's nothing approved as of yet but their trials are very promising so a little bit more about antiretroviral therapy so there are five classes of antiretrovirals um, there's a class that will prevent the virus from entering a host cell and another two classes that will interfere with viral replication and a class called integrase one that will prevent the viral with the virus integrating with the host DNA and finally a class called protease 1 that will prevent the virus from leaving the host cell that it's currently in and therefore containing the spread so we can see how these different mechanisms target different stages of the viral replication cycle and it's recommended that a combination of at least two uh, antiretrovirals um, uh, sorry, at least three drugs from two different classes are used and this is the best option to, to target or contain the virus from many different angles. Antiretrovirals are needed for lifelong treatment because as there's no cure so the patients that receive these drugs wouldn't to be taking them consistently. They need to be taking them consistently not just for their own sake but also because these um, viruses could develop um, resistance and it's very important that they don't um, and because of the replication pattern the resistance that they develop will be very very rapid so it, it's a very very sensitive um, and responsibility is a big um, ask for patients taking these drugs and finally um, one more thing to say is that antiretro uh, is that virus HIV has evolved over the years to be to become less virulent and that's because the most powerful hiv strains resulted in um like a quick death to the host and uh, the hiv realized this is no good and so the more mild or less severe strains of hiv um, have thrived as natural selection and evolved over the years and that's the end of the lecture um, I will now ask some questions to test knowledge. So what is the most common STI? The most common STI is chlamydia. State three challenges, clinical challenges when dealing with STIs. So some challenges facing clinicians in regards to STIs include 
um, notifying the partners, vertical transmission, confidentiality, high rates of reinfection, lifelong infections, and stigma and psychological morbidity. Which gender is at higher risk of developing STIs? Males are at a higher risk of developing STIs. In males, chlamydia causes inflammation of which organs? Chlamydia in males causes urethritis, epididymitis and prostatitis. Which organs are inflamed in males in gonorrhea but not in chlamydia? Gonorrhea causes proctitis and a sore throat. So the inflamed organs would be the anus or the rectum. Describe how chlamydia can cause infertility in females. Females can develop the Fitzhugh Curtis disease um, if their fallopian tubes undergo lesions due to the chlamydia. These this could result in adherence to the liver and a narrowing of the fallopian tube. Therefore, ectopic pregnancies will ensue, and the fallopian tube will be too narrow for the fertilized egg to pass through to get to the uterus and so it develops within the fallopian tube this results in infertility with regard to pregnant patients what could what is the fetus at risk of developing if the mother has chlamydia neonates of chlamydia patients could develop conjunctivitis or pneumonia what drugs are used to treat chlamydia Chlamydia is a bacterium that is treated for with the antibiotic azithromycin and doxycycline. Explain the trend of gonorrhea that has seen over the past few years a rapid, an increase followed by a, a current plateau in cases. This is because gonorrhea has developed antibiotic resistance. What are some complications of gonorrhea? Firstly, gonorrhea is antibiotic resistant, so it could be difficult to treat. It could cause blindness in neonates. It could cause infertility. If it gets into the blood, it could cause septic anemia, septicemia, and if and if it gets into the joints, it can cause septic arthritis. What strains does the human papilloma virus protect against, and how does this protect against? warts so the human papilloma vaccine protects against strains 16 18 31 and 33 to protect against carcinoma the strains that are responsible for warts are 6 and 8 which are similar in structure to 16 and 18 and so the vaccine also is efficacious in protecting against genital warts name one drug that could be used to manage herpes simplex virus. Herpes simplex virus is managed by antiretrovirals, um, three of which are acyclovir, famcyclovir and valacyclovir. What drugs could be used to treat syphilis? Penicillin and doxycycline. At what stage is syphilis guaranteed to be serology positive? In the primary stage, syphilis may be negative 
but once we get to the secondary stage, it's always positive. The serology.